0: one day someone would be fine, the next day they'd be dead. You know, someone you'd think would would survive would, would die. Someone you think would die would survive. And it was such an unpredictable time. And that sort of razor thin line between life and death that we were all walking uh, during those first you know, few months was um, you know, a really tough thing to document.
1: Hello, and welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle. Today on the podcast, we're talking with Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Matthew Heineman, whose latest documentary, The First Wave, debuts this Friday, November 19th. Filmed inside the walls of LIJ Medical Center, one of the hardest-hit hospitals during the pandemic, the National Geographic film takes place during the first four months of the COVID-19 crisis. Joining Matthew are two nurses featured in The First Wave, Kelly Wanch is a critical care nurse who volunteered to work on the rapid response team working on a surge unit. And Brussels Habon was a patient pregnant with her second child who then contracted the COVID-19 virus. Um, Matthew, this film is amazing. It's impactful. I think this film is so important because this is the first time we're actually seeing inside what was happening in the hospital. First of all, why did you put yourself in harm's way to do this film? Why was it important for you to make this film?
0: Yeah, I think I sort of woke up in in March like everyone and was terrified at this potential tsunami that I was going to, you know, wash across our shores. And, um, you know, if you look at the, the films that I've made, I've generally tried to take these large amorphous subjects um, that are plastered across headlines and... Um, in this case, you know, build the stats and misinformation and try to humanize it. And so I think I felt this, yeah, just this huge responsibility to try to put a human face to it all and reach out to hospital systems all across the country um, and had difficulty getting access until finally getting introduced to Northwell um, through a a subject that I filmed 10 years ago in a healthcare film called Escape Fire. And, And obviously, um, that was quite fortuitous for a bunch of different reasons. one being uh you know that I was able to film in my backyard in New York, and two, um you know that obviously New York became at least during the first wave, the epicenter of this all, and you know we were able to get access in the way that I'm used to getting it and able to
1: really show truly what was happening inside those four walls. Kelly, how important is it for you to to you know to be a part of this and for people to see actually what you and so many other healthcare workers across America went through?
2: Incredibly important. You know, one of the the main things that I kept saying throughout this whole thing was that I just wanted to represent nursing well. I wanted to really show what nursing was going through and just represent our profession um, and how we all worked in a really cohesive interdisciplinary team. It was really a, a testament to how everyone came together. Um, and so that was really a lot of my focus, which is always to just do you know my best job when I come to work, but then to also represent all of us as best I could.
1: Yeah. And Brussels, what was it like for you watching this film to see how sick you were uh, in the hospital and everything that was going on? What was it? What's it like for you watching this documentary?
3: I felt very emotional. It was very heavy. But. There's like a lot of memories that was, you know, going on. I was thankful that, you know, I was part of this film because I could see myself what what was going on, because there were some. There were some memories I didn't remember anymore. So it's good looking back at it, but it's just, uh, it's like terrible looking at myself like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Matthew, what's it like for you to be filming a documentary where, and I don't know if this is other documentaries that you filmed before, but you're filming and you're telling a story and the outcome may not be great. And sometimes the outcome wasn't great.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was obviously part of the the beast of, of making this. Um, it was, it was, it was a, a terrifying endeavor um on almost every level um and in, in making it and in, and in, in being inside the hospital um and and of course with the with the you know subjects that we were following russells ahmed and others <clears throat> you know we had no idea necessarily where their stories were going to go whether they were going to survive um and that was you know one of the scariest things in, in filming this and i think and documenting it on behalf of Kelly and Dr. Dujay and the other uh healthcare practitioners that we followed is you know one day someone would be fine the next day they'd be dead you know who you think would would survive would, would die someone you think would die would survive and it was such an unpredictable time um for everybody and and that sort of razor-thin line between life and death that we we're all walking uh during those
1: first you know few months was um you know, a really tough thing to document. Yeah. And how was it for you and your psyche for, for the, your coworkers that you were in there doing this and that you're seeing pain and suffering, what was it like for you guys to go in there and be like, we have a job to do, but we also want to go home to our families.
0: Yeah. I mean, having films in conflict zones all around the world from, you know, Mexican drug cartels, to Afghanistan to Syria, um, you can sort of come home to your you know, I live in New York, um, and somewhat turn off your brain. Um, although these stories never really leave you with this, with the first wave, you know, we were living the same thing we were documenting. It was a, it was a 24 seven full on experience, um, for all of us. And, but I think, and I, and I can speak on behalf of my you know entire crew who, who all were amazing. I think every single day we were so deeply inspired by what we were seeing by the fortitude, by the love, by the humanity, um, by the courage that we're witnessing. Um, and, and I think that's what drove us to, to keep making this film every single day, is, is I, you know, we didn't go to bed at night feeling sort of necessarily sad about the state of the world, um,
1: but really deeply inspired. Yeah, I think that's also, yeah, that's a great point because there are f- parts of the film where it's very tense and it's scary and and but there's also these great moments where there's victories and and what you said the the compassion, the humanity and and Kelly like it's just so amazing that you and your coworkers are able to just, you know, stay focused, come to work every day and and battle this thing and and, and see it through. I mean, what were those moments like for you when like, you know, when when you hear here comes the sun? you know, somebody's coming off, you know, like those are like, it's hard not to cry when some of those moments come up.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think initially, um, it, it felt, it felt like uh, it was fantastic. Um, and then we started to realize as this thing wore on that a lot of the people that they played that song for ended up getting placed back on the ventilator. Um, so it actually ended up to be kind of confusing for a lot of us. uh, Because, you know, you knew that there was a positive moment, but then you weren't sure if it was followed by a negative moment. Um, And in the film, you'll see this surge unit that the hospital was able to create to accommodate the large influx of critical care patients that we had. And, you know, there was a, a large amount of patients that didn't didn't survive um, in that area. I think there was about 900 patients that kind of cycled through there throughout those four months. Um, And, you know, a lot of them didn't, uh, didn't make it. And so um, it was, it was something that none of us have, you know, we've never witnessed anything of that magnitude before being in critical care, we're used to helping transition people at the end of their lives. And um, we see that and a fair amount, but just for it to be happening at that pace, um, it just, I think it's still sort of is traumatizing for all of us. I know many people who are coming to see the film this week and, um, are excited to see it and they're very apprehensive to sort of finally see it again and relive it in a way.
1: Yeah. Do you think there's some, some healing value to that, some therapeutic about being able to, to look back?
2: I think that, I think the healing is going to be that we're going to all be together watching it. Um, you know, we've been in a few different cities, um, premiering the film all over and, um, I'm most excited to be home and to be seeing it. You know, there's a lot of people from the ICU and, um, I'm excited for everyone to watch it together. And I've heard a lot of people say that they just did, they didn't want to watch it with anyone else. They wanted to watch it with people that, that lived it and will understand it. Um, and you know, we'll all cry again together and we'll just, we'll, we'll be together. And I think that there's, people are going to find a lot of comfort
1: in that. Yeah. That's awesome. And Brussels, it must be so like, it must be like surreal for you because you hear about when you're in the hospital and something happens to you personally, you hear about the stories of what your family went through, but you get to see how your family was feeling, how what they were going through. And you had a baby during this and you didn't get to see your baby. What's it like to see all that, all the things that you missed captured in this, in this documentary?
3: Seeing everything in the film, I've, you know, I felt lonely and sad, but in the meantime, I felt blessed because Matt and the team were there to capture the very best moments of my life. Even if it was like the worst for most of us, It was like the most wonderful time of my life because my baby's with me, I made it and you know, he made it, Ahmed made it. So yeah.
1: It's amazing. But what's it like to actually see like some of the the pain that your family and, the, and like your husband was like, you know, he he's he's trying to be hopeful through this movie, you know, and and he's trying to be positive and he's he's hoping and pulling and praying for you. What's it like when you watch him, you know, and see that? It
3: really proves that he loves me so much. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very grateful with my family. I know how, you know, how strong we are, even even if we were f- far from our family from the Philippines. But I know we started during the pandemic. We were like praying together. And I knew that when I was in the hospital and I was like at my worst time, I know they were there for me. And I am not surprised that we're doing that. They were doing that because I I don't want to say it's our normal thing, but that's how we live. Like, you know, prayers and like go to church and, but I was just surprised with my dad because like my dad is not like, my mom, she's like the prayer, prayer prayer warrior, but my dad, like not that much. So I was very surprised when I saw it and I was so proud of it,
1: yeah. That's awesome. Kelly, what, a, you know, you're, 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 um, pregnant right now with your ch- third child. You do very soon, you know, there's PTSD involved with, with what some of the things you went through. What's it like being a mother and, 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 and a nurse and handling all this?
2: Um, it, it's kind of interesting because I'm, uh, I'm the mother of small kids who can't possibly understand why I'm sad or what was going on and trying to explain it to them in a way that they understand and to not terrify them was a was a difficult course to navigate. Um and, you know, I think a lot of us have since sought sought help um in speaking to people that are properly qualified to help us work through something that we had no idea what we were even feeling, you know. Um and so it's it's something that that lingers and I, you know, As you can see here, I no longer work at the bedside. Um, You know, personally, during this pandemic, my father was chronically ill at the time. And so that stole, um, you know, four months of my spending time with him. And then he passed away last October. Um, So my story is just one of many stories of the people that worked at the bedside that we weren't only dealing with what we were seeing there. We were going home and people were having to live apart from their parents, their children, their spouses. They were living in trailers and their driveways because you remember at that time we had absolutely no idea what we were dealing with and we didn't know how to treat it either. And so everyone was just so terrified of getting sick. Um So it stole a lot of our personal time as well. Um, So we would come here and it would be bad and then we'd get home and it would be bad. (laughs) And so, um, you know, but I took a lot of comfort in my husband and my little kids because there's beauty in the fact that they were, you know, three and five at the time and had no idea. And they just wanted me to read bedtime stories. And it was a little bit of an escape that I needed to.
1: Yeah. And I think what's it's amazing when you talk about capturing things, like you're capturing things that you don't know is going to happen, right? Like nothing is, is scripted in this. And there's one point where, where Brussels is trying to speak, but she can't. And the nurse hands her a piece of paper and she writes down and she's writing down and you, and you get these shots as she's writing it. And then we get to see what she wrote later. But uh, in, in, as you're getting better, Brussels, I don't know if you remember, you must remember this, right? And seeing the film, maybe you didn't remember it back then, but you, you, you wrote, I want to get better. Yeah. I will get better. Just pray. Life is worth it. Um, can you tell us what compelled you to write that at that moment?
3: As a mother, as a wife and as a daughter, everyone was waiting for me. That kept me motivated, and everyone was just praying for me. The least that I could do is fight for my life and, you, know, tell my story and tell everyone how wonderful life is. Right.. Yeah.
1: What's it like? What was it like for you to see yourself writing that in the hospital?
3: I was like speechless. I, yeah, it was hard for me to talk at that time. So my nurse, um, she handed me a paper, you know, to write over what I was feeling at that time. And that's what I felt at that time. And I don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> where, where is that piece of paper now?
3: <laughs> that piece of paper, I don't know. It was not the trash or, because I didn't want to, you know, have something from the hospital. I was like, we were all scared. So we just left everything over there.
1: Right, right. Yeah,
3: but you know, thank God, um, Matt captured that one, so it will be forever in my heart.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and, my, and Matt, what is it like for you? Like in those moments when, when those things start to happen, like, how do you, how do you and your crew hold it together in, in, in some of these moments and continue to work? I
0: mean, that's our job,
1: <laughs> you know, I think, uh,
0: uh, our job among other jobs, it's to try to just be a fly on the wall is to you know, to get these really intimate moments, to be able to film in such an intense environment with people, that's you know, living through such high stakes things, it's, it's, it, you know, it's all about trust. And, in in this case with with obviously following some people over the course of weeks or months that trust has developed in some cases we have to develop trust really, really quickly when we're filming with like the rapid response team and other, other aspects of the hospital. But, um, yeah, just becoming a part of the fabric of the daily life um,
1: of of the people that we're filming with. Yeah. What was it like being, um, it, you know, in, in L.A. last week promoting the film?
0: It's been amazing. I mean, you know, we we've, we premiered the film about two months ago. Um, and, you know, it'll be in theaters this coming Friday. It's It's been amazing, more so than any other film I've ever made. Um, screening this film... For people with a lot with live audiences, um, I think the, the general feeling is a feeling of um, catharsis. Like I think, I think again, there's there's no person on this earth that has not been affected um, by COVID. It's again, it's changed every aspect of the way we live, the way we communicate. I hope that this film creates a space for us all to reflect on what we've been through on where we are now. And as we start to emerge out of this, um, you know, what have we learned? How have we changed? And I think I think the film creates that space. And so all the screenings have been just really, really, really emotional. Um, and I think, again, for those who haven't been affected by it, it, it provides a window into something that they read about, they heard about, um that they might might have thought they understood, um but to truly be in the shoes of Kelly or Brussels or their families, um, just provides a whole no- different outlook, and that that's sort of the response that we've been getting from people. so yeah, I really this is the film I'm most proud of. I really hope that people um I think people are probably nervous to see the film, but again, i I feel that it's filled with love, it's filled with hope and 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 I hope that people show up to watch
1: it. We always like to end on a positive note here in 20 Minute Health Talk. So uh, I'll start with with um, Brussels. What gives you hope? What gives you optimism that this film will do?
3: Um, I hope that it will have a big impact on everyone. And I hope everyone should be grateful for what they have. And we would know what is essential before pandemic. And, you know, after this one. Yeah.
1: yeah. Kelly, what gives you hope and optimism going forward?
3: I hope that the people
2: that are maybe a little hesitant to, to believe in the severity of what everyone went through, I hope they're the ones that go to see it. I think that the rest of us who lived it and believed it and are vaccinated and are behind the science, you know, are interested to see it. But I think that the people who are a little doubtful need to see it so that we can start to put this whole thing behind us.
1: Awesome, and Matthew, what gives you hope and optimism?
0: Kelly, Brussels, Ahmed, Doctor Dujay, all the people that we filmed with. I mean, uh, I, I said this earlier, but it, it just—that's what inspired us to make this film. That's what continues to inspire us. That's what inspires audiences. Um, you know, it's easy for everyone to sort of get on their porch and clap at seven PM for five minutes, and then go back to their lives. But i don't think people really knew what they were clapping for and i hope that this, that this film shows why they were clapping
1: matthew Heineman, director of first wave kelly wanch and uh, brussels jim habron thank you so much for joining us here on 20 minute health talk and few of the listener thank you so much for tuning in i'm rob hoyle have a great day The first wave will be released in select theaters in New York City on November 19th, and it will be available worldwide starting December 5th on Hulu.